All right, welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. In the previous episode, I discussed the reincarnation, uh, what they believed, and also soul trapping, and I tie that into the fallen angels as well. Today, I want to talk about the rise of the machines, AI, and I'm going to talk about specifically Elon Musk and his comments on the subject because who would know better than him, right? So, I got on this subject because I was looking, well, I'll be honest with you, your boy was in the news again, Orlando Brown. Child, I know. But at the same time, I support Orlando. And when I see celebrities having these mini breaks or supposed meltdowns, I remember when Jim Carrey was having his moment and everybody thought that he was going crazy. They always uh, seem to look nutty or come off as nutty or let's be honest they are made to look that way by the media and orlando brown is one of them now they've been spanking orlando brown in the news lately as far as the recent arrest now i'm not saying the boy isn't going through trauma i'm not saying that um he has not suffered from drug addiction but at the same time to completely dismiss him as somebody who's unintelligent who's not talking right he's just talking out the side of his neck especially when it comes to the industry, would be doing yourself a disservice and it would be a a mockery to him. Because at this point, Orlando Brown has made it very clear that to talk the way that he is talking, don't don't get it twisted that he does not catch flack for it. And I don't mean like they scold him. He says he has to eat a lot. There's a lot of ish he has to eat. There's a lot of ish he has to take. Whatever that means. Because when they talk or when they do share, they have to be very vague. And um, I remember that I stumbled across an interview with Tasha K. Now, mind you, I'm just watching for Orlando. What's going on with Orlando now? I see they're spanking him, putting him in the news. Even the mugshot that I've seen of Orlando recently with him smiling like that. I said, that's intentional. Orlando is giving you exactly what he, he knows they want you to see madness crazy just that mugshot makes him look like a like a mad dog you know ow, ow, like don't let me out of here i'm gonna kill you and we know orlando's humor too so if you think that mugshot was like what he was really no so he was doing an interview with tasha k if you're familiar with tasha k if you're not you know that her and cardi b had had some civil lawsuits and that cardi won so that's probably one of the main ways you would might have heard of Tasha K recently because that lawsuit really recently you settled out. Long story short, she's interviewing Orlando and Orlando goes into talking about the industry and how once you sell your soul to the industry that you live forever is what I'm getting to. And when he said that, because specifically, like I said, I was just like, oh, let me see what Orlando been talking about. I didn't even know recently he was talking. Like I said, I haven't been on YouTube or anything, so I just wanted to catch up. So when he said that, it caught my attention. So I'm listening to what he's saying, and he went on, I'm paraphrasing, to basically say when you sell your soul in the industry, you are allowed to live forever. And then he says that new people coming into the industry, uh, people like him who referred to as new booties, uh, don't know or really believe that everybody that lived before them, everybody who passed away and is dead, they all think that they are dead that they have passed away but in reality they are not and when tasha k asked him you know specifically who who are we talking about here like what do you mean you know people have passed away what and they're still here who is that who are we talking about he goes on to say um everybody that's ever lived before that died and she's like you mean celebrities he's like yes celebrities now he went on to say 
that those souls get reincarnated in, in a way he, he cannot say that but in essence what he was saying is that these souls get reused and these souls get um reincarnated so probably when they're hearing eternal life and you're gonna live forever whatever the whatever way that lie is sold because you know with satan the road to hell is paved with good intentions whatever way that satan sells it it's not just money in this it is more than money you know probably good health you know it's a lot of things that people sell their soul for maybe it's not for fame and fortune in the industry maybe it's for something else okay a new organ you know because they want to live longer it's a lot of things but it, it's a package and so that's 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 pretty much what he's saying tasha k at this point is doing what most people would do or especially i'm sure people who, who interview orlando brown would do like they're giving you the opportunity to speak but at the same time they're kind of like okay orlando like here we go you know i'm not doing this with you today type of thing i'll talk about orlando a little later, later because i don't want to get off topic so that got me thinking back into what i was talking about before <clears throat> reincarnation is so trapping because as we mentioned in a previous episode the celebrities, the elites, the politicians, a lot of them are related and can be traced back to a lot of royals, prominent royals, medieval royals, kings of old, not just not just one step up to the royals over there in England. And we know that these people are set up here for a reason. And that, that, so then all the world is a stage. In that episode, they are all set up in a certain place for a reason. Okay, so... um. Then you have uh, the other phenomenon that I have seen on and off throughout the years, especially since 2009 when I've been on the, on the journey of truth. How many of us have stumbled on those videos? It's like, oh my gosh, uh, Justin Timberlake looks like this person that lived like 300 years ago. Or Jay-Z, they done caught supposedly Obama in the tombs. Even Obama, as a joke, went walking through the tombs and he looked like, oh my God, that looks like me. Is he a reincarnate of someone? Michelle Obama, they done found her in Egyptian, like, things that look similar to them i'm just I'm, we, know, we know we've seen it they have put the pictures side by side uncanny i mean at this point i can't tell you that it's truth i'm just simply saying when i think about these things now sometimes you can't see things all at once <laughs> sometimes later on they'll all come together i'm just starting to think you know and then we start talking about how these uh, souls get taught to that they're going to go into another body and <clears throat> that, that etc now elon I'll talk about Elon Musk and artificial intelligence, but I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we will be talking about Elon and all the very fascinating, interesting, and alarming stuff that he told us, the people, about artificial intelligence and how he, in essence, the, the tone of the message that he gives is that he would want people to be more proactive to ai more than they are reactive to ai because the more they're dropping ai and ai is so far advanced even he said it we don't know you see the things they're doing it now and they don't patent i'm not patent but they don't made and they know it worked and they know that they can do it that's not in our hands now what they put in our hands <laughs> facial recognition this and that and all this this is stuff that they actually have been had facial recognition and stuff like that i'm sure the fbi was doing that thumb printing to scan for id like this is technology that has been around it's just like when they get tired or old of it or whatever and they know that we can what you're going to put it in our hands once you know that you've got full mastery and control over this thing it's still going to harm us it's still going to be the weapon that you you made it to be against us but at the same time you're not giving it to us while this is the latest thing now here we have nothing else we're just going to sit here with nothing else to do for another century until another scientist come along so I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, uh, we'll be discussing that and the future of AI. See you after the break.
All right, y'all, we're back from break, and I'm just going to be reading some quotes from Elon Musk. All these quotes are not from one interview. What they are are a collective body of quotes from Elon from several interviews because while some interviews have been completely on AI alone, we know that he is involved in a lot of things. You know, he, he wears many hats when it comes to this thing. This man is like literally the um, Tony Stark's of our day right so when they specifically in some interviews ask him questions they do bring up the questions of artificial intelligence and these are the things that they have said so what i'm going to do now is just read those quotes to you i took the time to write them down and then i'm going to elaborate with my thoughts so elon is really concerned about what he calls the birth rate thing it's been troubling him for many years because he doesn't see it turning around at any time. And so for him, every year it's getting worse. As far as he's concerned, we are headed towards super intelligence or civilization ending. Okay. That we need to watch out about the population collapse. Now, before I go on, and this is something that I like to tell you on all the time there are certain things sometimes that stick out to me i may not define everything but certain things stick out to me like okay that's important and i know that i understand that population collapse is the collapse of a population but again what does that really mean like let's really really break it down because definitions do mean a lot and so i went to wiki and i looked up population decline <clears throat> excuse me really what i popped in was population collapse but it, it, it brought that up because they actually are the same so it says a population declined also sometimes called underpopulation depopulation or population collapse in humans is a reduction in a human population size over the long term stretching from prehistory to the present earth's total human population has continued to grow However, current projections suggest that this long-term trend of steady population growth may be coming to an end. Now it says, until the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, global population grew very slowly. So before the Industrial Revolution, global population was growing very slowly. And we will talk about the Industrial Revolution, and like I said, during that time in the 1800s, this massive appearance of these babies that just came out of nowhere, that had no mothers and no fathers and no beginning and no end, and were just dispersed through trains and orphanages or what they would call the cabbage patch, where the term cabbage patch and storks came from and how they literally were sent all over to rebuild all these ruined cities that was depopulized and they became the new slaves or workers of what they called the first industrial revolution. But uh, let me continue. So again, until the beginning of the industrial revolution, global population grew very slowly. After about 1800, Remember, I told you this would be the Industrial Revolution and also around the time in the 1800s of this uh, so-called cloning situation. The growth rate accelerated to a peak of 2.09% annually during the 1967 to 1969 period. It says, but since then, 
due to worldwide collapse of the total fertility rate. Mm. It has declined to 1.05 as of 2020. Now listen to this. Basically says here the, the global growth rate in absolute numbers was 92.9 million in 1988 and they said that was an accelerated peak like it was it was a very high 92.9 million but it says now today we have declined to 81.3 million and that is as of 2020 and i think that's before covid so you know after covid or whatever it was they hit us with because <clears throat> we know our theories on covid but something happened right and um people passed away now when you're talking about the total fertility rate i just want to pull that up again i know i, I have my own um, basic i wouldn't say watered down but paraphrased definition of it i just want to pull that up to you so, you, so we could get this picture and understand because some people don't understand I would, and that's okay you know there, there's no stupid questions and also it's okay it's, it's okay to to help somebody because then all of us just goes over your head so <clears throat> the fertility rate, excuse me, the definition of that is the fertility rate at a given age is a number of children born alive to a woman of that age during the year as the purport. Listen, listen, listen. This is a fancy way of saying the average amount of kids that a woman should have, each woman should have, or a majority of women should have to sustain the balance of, I guess you could say mankind, the economy, the, 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 the country or whatever the situation is, they care about population. So while they want to depopulate, they also want to keep a certain amount of population. But at this point in time, they don't care. In my opinion, they don't care about populating so much as depopulating. But when they need to populate, they will populate. And they did need to do that in the 1800s, and we'll talk about that. But right now, for fertility rate, what you should understand as a basic understanding is the... Let's use China as an example. The 1.1 ratio. You can only have one child. And I know they lifted that, I believe, in 2015. Don't quote me. But sometime in the past 10 years, they did lift that. So you can have as many kids as you want to. But believe it or not, the social norm in China to this day is still um, average of one child per family. Sure, there's people in China with several. You know, Some even left the country and, and went other places just so they could sit there and have the rights to have as many children as they want to. So I'm not saying you're not going to find Chinese people or you know, Asian people, especially Chinese people because it was China with, a, with more than one child. But it still messed them up because now today they're still on the average of one to one. Now look at America. <clears throat> you have the situation here where... Uh, what's the model? Oh, you know, live the American. It's not that anymore. You know, they say now the American dream is whatever you want. You know, maybe maybe you don't want to own a house. Maybe you want to own a condo. Maybe you just comfortable renting or whatever. Maybe you don't want to have kids. You know, the new American dream could be anything, but the traditional American dream was what? You get married, right? Buy a house with a white picket fence. <laughs> You have 2.5 kids and you're happy. You see, that's where that 2.5 came from. That 2.5 came from, we would like you to have an average of 2.5 kids. But you got to actually, but you're like, you know, the joke is like, where does the 2 point, you know, when they say 2.09, how do you make your child, how do you, where do you get the 0.09% child? Well, 2.5, the 0.5% joke in America was like, the, that's the dog. So you have your you have your wife you, you or your husband you get the 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 house with the picket fence you have your two kids and you have your point five kid which would be like the dog the family dog roof roof you know and yeah you did that so that that was the like the, the traditional thing and um 
they say in certain cultures, like third world countries, it's actually reversed. That even if they're more impoverished, they'll have more kids because sometimes they need the kids for labor. And also, they'll have more kids because unlike certain countries like ours, they don't have access to contraception, birth control, and things of that nature. So it's a, it's, it's a combination of those things and other societal um, and I'm sure cultural factors as well. Now that I explained all that, let's get back to Elon and what he was saying. So he says that our common understanding is that people think that there are so many humans on Earth or maybe even too many humans on Earth that we are kind of like overpopulated. I guess maybe whether we are think that way naturally or we feel that way every time we look at that around or maybe we or have just been told that the earth is overpopulated or what our situation is. Elon says that that's actually not the case. And then he references, he says it, it, he specifically references a guy by the name of Tim Urban who has a website by the name of waitwhatandwhy.com. And he is very accurate. He's a mathematical guy, whatever, like, you know, very brainy. And he said that he likes this guy's website because he's very spot on. And one thing Elon says is what I'm saying to you about this, this, that, and the third is not something that can't be looked up. He's like, these are real numbers. You know, it's not something that I'm making up. He's like, it's the, the, you know, I wouldn't say he said this, but the problem is we don't look for these things. We're more distracted with other things. We're more worried about which celebrity died and this and this and this. You know, our bills, our problems, addictions, and things that our nation nobody's looking there, but it's really truth right there in plain sight. So this guy, Tim Urban, on waitwhatwhy.com, and again, Elon agrees with him, says, all humans on Earth could fit in the city of New York on one floor and that we would not even need upper floors. So he didn't say the state of New York. He did not say the county of Nassau. He didn't say the county of Queens. <clears throat> not upstate only or the entire New York state. New York City. That's a very small fractional part of the world. Which kind of alarmed me, but not alarmed me, but it was very interesting and it stood out, but I, I believe. But in the same way, it's a little alarming because knowing what we know, knowing what I've said, that we're mixed in, the, the wheat and the tares, like the Messiah said, the wheat and the tares were mixed in. Has it been that much people done infiltrated or have they put that much in now? You know, science is very evolved with making, we're going to talk about that stuff like, you know, I'm just going to save it for later. But, you know, science is very evolved now. There's a lot of things they can do. And I can't, I hate to say now because there was things they were doing before now. Some things are just getting perfected or they're just reaching new levels of it. But when it comes to fertility and, you know, family planning, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't try to have a family, but science is very Frankenstein when it comes to that stuff. So if all the New York, all the people of the world could fit in New York City, that's kind of like an all-on-one floor. You wouldn't even have to stack them up. He says that the cross-section of humans as seen from Earth is very tiny and that it's vanishingly small and almost nothing. He said there's a reason why. And not when you go so high up into space that you can't see anything. Obviously, from space, you can't even see a house. You can't see a building. You can't see a bird. You can't see a, a large elephant or a giraffe. You can't see anything. But what he's really just saying is just like when you go up high after a certain point, you, just, you can't see them. And from that, I guess what he's basically saying is... um. Is not that much of us. And he's, he said, listen to this. He's, he said, and even though NASA's always saying if something falls from the sky, something, but he said you could drop a bowling ball or something. He said the probability of that really actually hitting someone is very, 
very low the same way if uh, he said when things are falling out of the sky from space he said he's, he literally had to stop himself he said like they don't and he cut himself off that was that interview so again he wants people to be aware of the population collapse and again i don't know if he wants people to be aware but he's he's concerned about the population collapse okay because he knows that he's going to lend literally lead to the end of a civilization and the rise of ai so low growth rates are big risks now he says civilization will end with a whimper and not a bang because it's going to be a very sad ending. Now, in other countries, third world countries, the number of retired people are literally outweighing the amount of people who are net producers. So the social or the social safety net for them does not hold and it cannot stand. Now, in Japan, he says adult diapers are outselling baby diapers which says a lot so there's more older people than more people that are being born and he says europe is in a similar situation and china is heading the same way so again even though the one-to-one -one ratio was relieved they still go by the average of one not that everybody have one but it has now become the social norm so this is the thing that got me because you know when they talk they're talking cold but he said if if there's just half a billion people in China, I remember China is um, the ones that's on the way to being like Japan. If they needed 700 million, like he said, where would 700 million more people come from? That's This is what he's saying. Where would they come from? He said, yes, you were talking about immigration. You could bring people over, but that's not likely. You know what I mean? And then this is when every conversation from here starts to shift to artificial intelligence, okay? And he says that we are rapidly heading into a digital super intelligence that far exceeds any human. And he says that he knows and he thinks that that is very obvious. Like, we're, that's obvious. Y'all see that. Like, it's just getting smarter and smarter every day. Eon, Elon says... AI doesn't have to be evil to destroy humanity. If AI has a goal and humanity just happens to be in the way, it will destroy humanity as a matter of course without even thinking about it. No hard feelings. He went on to say, it's just like if you were building a road and an anthill is in the way. We don't hate ants. We're just building a road. And so, goodbye, Ant Hill. End quote. This is what Elon said. Okay? And he himself says that he don't consider that as being evil thought in AI. It would just be as AI doing what it needs to do as a means to an end. Wait a minute. First of all, I always have my questions about Elon anyway. Because as far as I'm concerned, he's not human. Just like Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sorry. This is my opinion. I'm not pushing it on you. And I'm certainly not asking you to believe what i'm saying take it for entertainment and take it for alleged purposes this is what i believe okay i've never every time i seen elon before i even started to just think about him that way there was always something about him that just stood out i understood that he was this i understand what he was doing and all of that but what are you and when what it's something about his face and his speech is just off even when he talks he, it's not about he, he's not slow he's an intelligent man but there's just something about that man that just doesn't come off as human to me and so 
I went digging in his background because I wanted to know about that face. Like, what are you? What, who your people is? Who your people? Where you come from? You know what I'm saying? Where your roots is? And then I looked at his parents and I looked at him and I was like, mm, they don't even. First of all, there's Musk children. For all I know, if they're if they're their children or not, if they're clones, hybrids, I don't. The the Musk children. I mean, <clears throat> his mother is a model of. She have a prominent name for herself, and, and the father who he hates. He'd been had a name for himself. He was born in South Africa. That's the other thing. Okay, he's born under South African flag. You're not South African. So that we really don't know your identity. I believe the mother was a Canadian woman. And the father, uh, who he hates, was born in South Africa as well. But again, that's just uh, the ancestors. Or you were the descendants of the ones that infiltrated Africa and set up shop. That's how you got your Charlize Theron's. And them coming out talking about some South African. And... Okay, by net by the flag, and yes, I guess by the culture, because you was raised in it, and I'm sure you know the tongue, wink, wink. But when it comes to the genetics, I don't know about all that. And so one time, Kanye was saying that Elon comes off. Well, he didn't say he comes off. He just said Asian. He just said something about Asian. And I looked at him. I said, I've always. I said, you're not white to me. Your father look white. Your mother look white. Whether you're going to call a Canadian white, European, I don't mean to offend anybody. Caucasian. But when I look at you, I get Keanu vibes. He does not look like Keanu Reeves. That's not what I said. I just get like you're mixed with some kind of, I don't know, Pacific Islander, Asian, Moan something, and European as well. Who are you really? And then I compared pictures of him and his siblings. I think maybe his, um he got a, a brother. I can't remember his brother's name. Maybe in the jaw. But then again, with cloning and stuff, he could he could have just grabbed the jaw because at the end of the day, Elon from young, if you look at pictures of Elon, he looked more Asian than anything else. You know, who are you? Remember when we talked about this stuff with this adopting now and people, who are you really? You know, I don't know who Elon is at the end of the day, but this is the Tony stars of our day. I'm sure there's others. <clears throat> and as much as he's saying he's concerned about it, I just don't know that he would care because if, if it went the wrong way. Now, let's just go on. He says that uh, AI is going to be out of human control. It's not necessarily bad. Again, remember I said he doesn't he doesn't see it as a bad thing that they don't have a it's, it's unethical and it doesn't have morals. He says it's just outside of human control. Well, Elon, if it's outside of human control, how is it not a bad thing? It's not just not bad. It's just outside of human control. We have no control of it. It's not a bad thing. We just don't have no control of it. Who the, who would it be? Okay, so we're just gonna go on. I'm just gonna, all right. He's not. I don't know that he's one of us. He's not. So he says it will be very tempting to use AI as a weapon. In fact, it will be used as a weapon. The danger with AI, he says, is that humans will use it against each other. But let's be real. Who would have their hands on this technology? Now that's down below. It'll be them on top. He said he once sat in a room in a meeting with 50 governors in a very detailed thorough meeting. He explained to them the dangers of AI. He says that no one seemed to care. Basically, there's no regulations with AI, and AI is more dangerous than the nuclear warhead by a lot, according to Elon. So, uh, AI is single biggest is the biggest single biggest item. I guess you could say in the near term or future that's likely to not likely but will affect humanity. Elon once said that you could uh, create a drone. I heard him say this: create a drone with his own mouth. With practically nothing. It would be an assassination drone, basically, is what I'm saying. And he told the people there, he said, not only them sitting there in front of him, whether they were techies or science, because I don't know who he, the different people he sits down with. I don't know if it's like the world of science, blah, blah, blah. But 
He specifically said everybody has materials in their house, especially if they just got a drone, to make an assassin drone. And then he said, I can show you right now, even if I want to, it wouldn't even take long. That's what he said. And then they were like, well, how would they know? How would a simple drone be? What technology? He said, you don't even need any money. He's like, you would hardly need anybody. He's like, he's like, it would be free or very little money, but he specifically mentioned it as it would be practically free. And then he said, when they asked him, how would the drone know where to go? He said, you are all already giving your information, your face and all of that to the phone. Okay, he said when you do your face ID and all of that, he said it would be the same technology as the face ID. You just put it into the thing. He's like, and then the drone just flies out, finds the face ID, face facial recognition of the person, and boom, eliminate them. Which reminded me of the virtual reality game that they were talking about recently that has not hit the market, but it is invented and is real. Somebody created a virtual reality game where if you die for real in the game, you die for real in real life. And it's a headset and it's a, a signal that will go off in the headset because you wear it over your head, over your forehead, straight to your brain. It'll put you out. Okay. And they said that they haven't released it. They're not going to release it. They, it is a real game. Supposedly it's locked up the headset on a desk with the lock and key as a inspiration or a muse to said video game creator for future games. But I'm like, oh, thank you. He says digital intelligence will be able to outthink us and it will soon be able to simulate what we consider consciousness. So to the degree that you would not be able to tell the difference if you're talking to a digital super intelligence and, or, and can't tell if that is a computer or a human like that you're talking to. So basically, let's just say that you're having a conversation on the phone or a video conference, something where you think you're talking to what looks like a person, makes all the right inflections and movements and all the small subtle subtleties that constitutes a, what a human would do. In actuality, it would be an AI. Okay. Now, this reminds me of every time I used to think the computer versus the human. Like when you're playing a game, you don't have like two player game, but you don't have a second player. So you're like computer. And you're like, the levels like either beginner medium or hard you know easy hard whatever the computer is just busting your butt and sometimes the computer really feels like somebody behind the screen sometimes but yeah it's the computer again ai is far more dangerous than nukes so he says quote so why don't we have any regulatory oversight on it that's insane again concerned about the direction it could take and uh, that it wouldn't be good for the future so he says it's important that if we have this incredible power of ai that would not be concentrated in the hands of a few a potentially it potentially lead to a world that we don't want it's important if we have this incredible power of ai that we would not want it to be concentrated in the hands of a few a potentially that could potentially lead to a world that we don't want now it says and if we create some digital super intelligence he says if we create i in my opinion it's created but you can't you see this stuff is scary so you can't say that to people as soon as they aliens are real god is real whatever it's not really aliens it's fallen angels but you, 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 you people can't let and he can't say that so he says if we create some digital super intelligence that exceeds us in every way by a lot it's important that it's a that it be benign so he says if you assume any rate of advancement in ai we will be left behind by a lot he says so then we could be in even a benign situation now here's the benign situation 
benign situation goes like this. If you have ultra-intelligent AI, we would be so far below them in intelligence that we would be, in essence, to them like a pet or a cat or, like he said, a house cat. Again, if he said before that, if you assume any rate of advancement in AI, so if advancement in AI, any rate of advancement in AI, any rate of advancement in AI will leave us left behind by a lot. And then it goes on to say, so we could be even then in a benign situation. Believe it or not, the benign situation would be the best situation. It doesn't mean that that has to happen. Benign just means that would be the best situation or best case scenario because once they keep advancing, and it will keep advancing, download, update, downloading. Every time it gets something, it gets smarter than you, okay? And it says right here, benign situation, uh, the AI intelligence will be so high at that point that we are so below them in intelligence that it would be like a pet cat you'd be like a pet cat so again if we create some kind of digital intelligence that does exceed us in every way possible literally everything thinking writing everything and by a lot it is very important that it be benign. And even if it's, it, see, he says it's important that it be a benign, but benign means, that, I mean, what is that? Planet of the Apes, you know, took over. And this is what got me thinking about the Matrix. You see how we talk about we in the Matrix, we in, we in the Matrix. Are we really in the Matrix, y'all? The reason I say that is because when you look at the Matrix, even the beginning of the Matrix, the world done already got set. The machines done already came and the machines took over. We don't even know how. We just know that the machines came, the machines took over, and everybody tied in that pod or plugged into the matrix, okay, is being used as fuel, battery, juice, or whatever for the machines. They are in assimilation at that point, believing that they are still in their world, so they could just sit there comfortably. And as we know, it's like giant, like, birth pods of these people, I'm sure some of them are baby. We don't know because when, when Neo got freed, when he looked down, there was so many. You, you really don't know where it begun and you don't know where it ended. And it seemed as if the pod that they were in was water. So it was amniotic fluid. It was supposed to be you know, some kind of a womb. And we're going to talk about that because in all honesty, what that was literally looked like was some kind of a, um, a birthing, cloning kind of thing to keep making batteries or human batteries or something of that sort. Now that I'm starting to look at uh, these and this clone and stuff and what it looked like, that's what it was. And he got unplugged from it and he got um, set free. So when I'm thinking about the age of Aquarius now, and everybody says that we're in it, I'm like, no, no, no. I believe the age of Aquarius, in my opinion, coming in is going to be the new age where the Antichrist is there. They're trying to get to that transhumanism. They're trying to get to that enlightenment and that consciousness. And then you will be in the age of Aquarius. For me, Age of Aquarius right now is just, this is just like the dawning of it. It's the dawn of the age of Aquarius because something can't, age can't change overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, things lead up to things. Even revolutions lead up to change, but the revolution didn't happen overnight. You know what I'm saying? So I know that we are in the midst of change to it, but I just don't know that we are there yet. So I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the, the age of Aquarius and then we'll move on. So you have to break Okay, we're back from break, and I'll be reading to you now from Wiki about the astrological meaning behind the age of Aquarius. Astrologers believe that an astrological age affects humanity, possibly by influencing the rise and fall of civilizations or cultural tendencies. 
Traditionally, Aquarius is associated with electricity, computers, flight, astrology, idealism, humanitarianism, and the list goes on. So I want to go down now to here. A common position expressed by many astrologers sees the age of Aquarius as that time when humanity takes control of the earth and its own destiny as its rightful heritage, with the destiny of humanity being the revelation of truth and the expansion of consciousness, and that some people will experience mental alignment, enlightenment in advance of others, and therefore be recognized as the new leaders in the world. So that's one position. Remember, everybody debates or argues as to, is it here, blah, 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 blah. And some people believe that it's here. And you'll say that you believe it's here because the times have changed. It's not here yet, though. It's, you could feel it ain't right. You could feel things changing, but it's not here yet. When it's here, you will know. Because the same way I told you about the, uh, the well, we didn't get into the first industrial revolution down to the fourth. It's going to be another revol- uh, industrial revolution again. And that's going to be a transhuman. Actually, we're in it now, but it's going to take into another age. So it just says here that people will experience a mental alignment consciousness. Notice how it says here that it's going to be a time when humanity takes control of the earth and its own destiny as its rightful heritage, with the destiny of humanity being the revelation of truth. This is the same line in the garden. Okay, even transhumanism is you're just going to... So it says here, proponents of medieval astrology suggest that the Pisces world, where religion is the opiate of the masses, will be replaced by the Aquarian age. I personally think we're in the Pisces age, though. They still haven't sacked all the religions. They still ain't made the official decree. You can't, that church close, you know, the mosque close. You know what I'm saying? We have this one universal, I don't know. Where we all round up here and worship the sun in the morning or whatever the new thing is going to be a new way. It's not even going to be that. It's going to be a new age thing. It's not going to be disguised. It's going to be the same thing disguised as something else. Same paganism thing disguised as something else. So it just says here that just that, that the Pisces age is the one where the religion is still the over. I think religion is still the opiate, but we're still transitioning rather quickly. Uh, you know, I, I think I'd be lying to you and be foolish to think that it's going to be like very slow. This could happen less, less than two, three years or five or ten. So it says that. Yes, the Pisces world will be replaced by the Aquarian age by a world ruled by secretive power hungry elites seeking absolute power over others. That knowledge in the Aquarian age will only be valued for its ability to win wars. That knowledge and science will be abused, not industry and trade. And that the Aquarian age will be a dark age in which religion is considered offensive. Now, religion could and have always been offensive, in my opinion, in every age, depending on what you're talking about. But in this age, there will be severe religious persecution, similar to the spirit that came to Antioch of Epiphany to false, a.k.a. God Manifest, and those others, you know, that really just came through and just wanted them out. Lay down or die. You know, we're just not having you. There's no place for you in this age. That's what I'm saying. The people of God are still in this age. It's, it's a dawn, and in my opinion, everybody tired of their opinion. And this is the wave theory of the age of Aquarius. 
It says a wave theory of the shifting great ages suggests that the age of Aquarius will not arrive on a given date, but is instead emerging in influence over many years, similar to how a tide surges forward incrementally rather than all at once. That's what I'm saying. It's not something Rome wasn't built in a day. America wasn't the 50s. And that doesn't, you know, things take time. And I'm not saying it's going to take 100 years. I'm not going to say it's taking 200 years. I'm saying where they were at before is a little further, but they're a little closer to the end goal now. But is it exactly here yet? No, no, not not yet. We still got many leaders. You know, we still got several politicians, several dollars around the world. They ain't sack everything. So I just wanted to read that as far as that goes. Now, where else? Yeah, so again, if we if we create, uh, according to E. Elon, some kind of digital intelligence that exceeds us in every way and by a lot. It is very important that it is benign. Hashtag house cat. Here, kitty kitty. It's a shame. Ah, incubator babies. That now we're gonna talk about these incubator babies from the 18. Well, I might need to take me another break just to talk about that. You know what I am? I'm gonna take a break. I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, we back from break again. Let's get into it, though. The incubator babies of the 1800s or of the Industrial Revolution. Now, before I begin, I just want to talk to you all about the Industrial Revolution. We've had four. We're in the fourth Industrial Revolution as we speak. And as far as I'm concerned, there may be another. So the first Industrial Revolution was steam-based. It was steam-based machines like the locomotive or the train. And the second Industrial Revolution introduced the electrical or energy-based mass production, which would be uh, electricity. The third was computer and internet-based knowledge. I lived through that one. (laughs) And the fourth is the one we're all in now. The fourth industrial revolution is the one of artificial intelligence or AI and information technology or IT. Now, right now, when we're talking about the incubated babies, we'll be talking about the cloning of 1800. Now, remember, I referred to Wiki earlier, and I specifically talked about when we were saying in the population decline also known as the population collapse as elon referred to it as that until the beginning of the industrial revolution global population grew very slowly so global population grew very slowly they were having this problem right before the industrial revolution is probably the problem of population decline the problem that elon is worried about right now but after about 1800 it says right here in wiki the growth rate did excel to a peak of 2.09 percent annually okay now the thing here is there was a massive boom of babies and i'm not talking about the baby boom between 1946 and 1967 i'm talking about this baby boom that happened between 1890 and 1910 and so what you have here is during these times is these postcards that was sent out and they were known or called or coined now the repopulation postcards. Because if you've seen one, you might have thought it was cute. Or if it was a stamp or something, you might have thought it was cute. But as you continue to uh, sift through these different postcards, you start to see a common theme. Sometimes when you look at things, 
especially in order or you get a bigger picture, you get a bird's eye view, you start to see things a little more clearly or you start to realize maybe something is going on here. You know, this can't be coincidental. And what was this obsession with these people? with these cabbage patches okay so what you have on these po postcards is these large fields of cabbages or cabbage patches and in these cabbages are blossoming or blooming in the center of them are infants they are i wouldn't say newborns they could be anywhere from newborn to infant they are not toddlers and what you always have or what you always see in these postcards is somebody there like a woman who looks like she's harvesting these cabbages she looks like she's cares for them like she's been um she, she sold them in or she put them in she's watching over them and now that they're ready she's harvesting them she waters them there's sometimes pictures on these postcards with this woman in the water on a boat and these babies are not in cabbages sometimes they're just in the water and it's said that the water is supposed to symbolize the amniotic fluid and her fishing rod or her net to fish these babies out of the water is meant to symbolize medical instruments. You see the woman sometimes carrying, I guess you could say like a, I guess you say a wooden poke kind of thing where she, it's, it's, a, it's a wooden bar that you carry behind your neck. Usually you see people carry like, I guess you could say barrels or buckets on them, one on each side, usually with water. But on each side of this wooden poke thing that she's carrying behind her back, the baskets or the buckets are filled with babies. Okay, she's always carrying these babies. She's always sitting by the water fishing out babies. Sometimes you see these postcards and these, these trains with all these babies on them. You know, whose babies are these? Where do they come from? Why are they being mass-produced? It, it does symbolize mass-production because it just seems as if she's harvesting where are you getting them from? You know, you see a woman pushing babies. And I'm looking through these pictures now. That's so why I'm describing them to you. She's pushing babies on a barrel. And they're sitting not in cabbages, but uh, always in some kind of a plant or some kind of a forage, foraging kind of thing. Like uh, literally fertility. Always by the water, smiling. Okay, so it's very creepy. The other thing about it is that these children always seem to be of one genotype or genetic they're not different colors. So so even if you're trying to say they're not of different colors. They're all just almost early look similar. That's why almost like genetic, like they, they're all the same. And this inspired the story for the Cabbage Patch Kids that they later did for children. Interesting enough, you'll see postcards where people come. You'll see couples come and they're looking for a Cabbage Patch baby. And the lady gives them a baby right from her patch sometimes it's um, a woman by herself but sometimes it's a couple like a childless couple and they come and she just is, it's almost as if she has a garden or she's a florist and she has flowers and she's just saying come into my greenhouse and this is what i have on sale for today very odd very strange and people just started to notice this you know, whose babies are these and where are their mothers now strangely enough around the time that these cards are going around being circulated as postcards you have what's being called incubator babies. And the incubator babies were supposed to be premature babies that was born, I think, initially, don't quote me, in Europe. And for some reason, the hospitals were challenged with the task of how to keep them alive, especially with low funding, let their story tell it. 
and they decided to build incubators to keep the babies alive. Now, the reason they did that is because they got the idea that from baby chicks who didn't have mothers who want, who they needed to survive, they would keep them warm in some kind of an incubator box. So they just put the baby in an incubator. The funny thing about this so-called incubator box, uh, if you look into how it was designed, it was, it was very basic. It, it was just a box. You know what I'm saying? So it's amazing that they claimed that this box needed, because it, it, it wasn't even plugged into anything. It, was, it didn't even did require electricity as far as I can see. It was just like really just this box. So I think that this was a guys. And so what they did is that they took these babies and they took them on world fairs. And they took them on world fairs everywhere. It said the way they wrote it down that when it came to the world fair, you could go see anything. But these babies were more like sideshow freaks. And I'm not saying they were def deformed, but what you know, if these babies are sick and these baby needs care and these baby needs love, first of all, what mother? Where's the mother? Again, you gotta ask yourself, where's the mother? What mother allows you to just take these kids and just go on world tours and just show them off somewhere so you could just get, at the time, I think sometimes it was 25 cents a ticket. And one of the first places they brought them here in the United States was Brooklyn, New York to Coney Island, right on that boardwalk. And it's not like they were outside because it was like a building, but the, they would have incubator. I wouldn't say it was like museums, but you could just go in. And these babies would be there on display and each baby would have a nanny that would be standing right next to them. And sometimes if you wanted to, the nanny would take the baby out. But during these displays, these babies aren't being cared for so much as they're just being displayed. So it so it seems as if what premature baby doesn't need care during these extensive 40 hours a week or whatever the thing shouldn't they just be, you know, the the people wouldn't hold these babies but at the same time, you know, they would stand a few feet away. Isn't that kind of too much for a baby that's still just in this world trying to just make it? It just it's kind of dark is what I'm saying. Like, who does this? Now, if reading or if I guess you want to say their purpose in what it, they claimed the incubator baby tours, world fair tours were doing was supposed to be fundraising money to go to the hospital to help these children. They did not take all of them out. They took maybe 12 out at a time. But what they don't mention is not only did people come pay to see them, but people actually were buying them, okay? People bought them and took them home, which again raises the question, if these children are simply just premature, what mother who loves their child, who wants to see their child and know their child has just made it here and is fighting for their life and is premature, wouldn't want their baby back if now they just made this technology that's going to save my baby's life? Why is it not just made this technology to save all these babies' lives and all these babies are going or going around the world? What premature babies go around the world and actually survive? And we're being auctioned, not even auctioned off, sold off. You know, like, and they said, I'm going to read a quote. This was a comment, actually. I can't verify how true this is or not. But there is a comment that I found that said also an essential tidbit is these children were sold in Sears and Roebuck catalogs for $3. You could literally mail order kids, which brings me to my other point. I've seen with my own two eyes pictures and proof that even around 1913 in America that you could mail children in the mail. It didn't say your children to your aunt. I'm sure people did that. We know that. You know, we, you know, we know that people was like, oh, you're going to your aunt. You're going to train whatever back in those days. And it was just like, well, who does that? It's 1800, whatever. You didn't even have a phone, but they did it. That's not what I'm talking about. What they were doing is literally mailing. This is where the idea of the stork comes from. 
they were mailing children and what they did was just put a stamp on the child and send them through the mail and when that child got delivered to their destination they would be delivered by the postman in their sack so how the postman carries a sack and it carries the mail there was a special sack that these put these children in no they didn't seal it the child's head popped up the shoulders popped up you know the torso was up and everything but for the most part that's how they got delivered and if you think i'm lying there's pictures of it I've seen it with my own two eyes, and it was perfectly legal. You have to ask yourself, forget, oh, those were back in the day, and there was, like, where were the mothers? A motherhood is an instinctive thing. You Society cannot, they would have dag, dag on kill all the mothers. It's, it's an instinctive thing. All these mothers, where did they go? Or, more importantly, where did these babies come from? You see, Around this time, like I said in Wiki, there had, between the plagues in Europe, all these wars, and them ruining these cities, they actually had nobody there. There was nothing there. And so these babies just came out of nowhere. Some of these babies were just shipped off in trains, like the kindergarten uh, train from w, from the World War Two, And that was disguised, or they wrote that down in history to say that they were trying to save the children or the last of the children from a genocide in Germany uh, from Hitler. And they told him to come over to Britain. So this is Britain's way of trying to save the children. Every time they take these children, they, they put them in labor. So they would put them here, here, uh, there, there, different families. Supposedly they said that was to help them to the same way they're going to say that black people came over here for slavery because it was job opportunities. They were trying to get them set up and shop. They wanted to make sure those children had skills and opportunities. So they put them on all these sweatshops. If you look at all these pictures from the industrial age, they're very sad. And what I mean by sad is like you see all these kids working. What did, where was the parents? You have to understand these kids was not necessarily put in these places necessary. Yes, you will you will say I see pictures of the, the industrial people in the industrial revolution of adults working. Yeah, guess what? That was done twenty and fifteen and thirty years later. Those kids was put in those cities to repopulate those cities and rebuild those cities and also where did they come from? The most interesting thing that I've seen about the Cabbage Patch, uh, the revolutionary cloning postcards, of, it is that I've seen a postcard where these children are out in the field. They're not in patches. They're a little bit older now. So maybe they're maybe toddlers. They need maybe sell these cabbages yet. And the, they're drinking milk from the udders of a sheep. Not even a cow. They're drinking milk from the udders of a sheep through a tubing or hose so each udder has a hose attached and a child and they all look the same this is the thing about these postcards all these children seem to be gen gen genetically like they might as well be like a million twins you know that kind of thing let me move on though because i know i have more to say so they sold them they sold them at these world fairs but they acted like they didn't sell them they acted as if they just brought them out there to raise awareness or something when that's not what happened it was very interesting enough to you find out later that they did not ask, I guess you could say, just random to come. It was people of money, prestige, and power, and a lot of royals would come and to attend these things. And I'm not saying there's not world fairs in history where everybody could come, but specifically this thing, especially with the, and they were, and I would say three dollars is cheap. But who does that? You know, it's just it's just weird. You could say it was a time in history before they did adoption and all that. Yeah, I'm sure. But something was wrong with that. Oh, the one picture. I don't know if I'm, I brought this up yet. 
why would you have a picture of these kids now not hatching in cabbages, but now they're hatching out of eggs, specifically in a chicken coop next to chickens. And the chickens, the chickens are not coming out of eggs. The babies are coming out of eggs. And the chickens are just... They have pictures of the woman not only getting them out of cabbages. They have pictures of the woman have cabbages on the floor uh, with babies in them. And she's also picking, picking them out of the tree. This is harvest. You know what I'm saying? It just is what it is. Now, the Cabbage Pass story and the stork. What they're saying here with the 1800s, there was a major reset in history because of population collapse. I can't tell you what caused that population collapse because, well, a lot of things, like I said, the plague, the wars, um, the fact that God only knows what, what was going on with I guess you could say the fertility rate. Remember, the fertility rate is very important. And so you would have to do something. It's amazing how when they brought these little kids in and all of a sudden they was they, they, they super slaved the, the way to just go in there. The other thing is a lot of orphanages popped up at that time. And these orphanages, just all these random kids just needed some place to go. And I'm not simply... And see, there's a difference between an orphanage and, and um, adoption, foster care. Orphans don't have a mother or father. They're supposed to have either been orphaned through death or whatever, and they don't. Now here is what's. Let's let's add more. We want to. We want to. Let's dive deeper into this mystery. There's people that actually say in comments on some of these videos, and they're older, older than me. They say my maternal grandmother didn't know her date of birth, but she believed. She was born in the year 1900. She talked about harvesting a lot of cotton when she was a small child, but it makes sense. But it makes sense to let. But it makes no sense to let small children help with harvesting. But apparently, it was very harsh. She said her hands would bleed, and they would wrap them and carry on. Just a, just some of what I remember. She was a very strong woman. Could do just about anything. She made clothing, grew her own food, made her own breads. And wouldn't allow anything to go to waste. She was a saint. Now, it says, somebody said, my great-grandmother told me babies came from Cabbage Patch. The weird part is she was very old and was stated as facts. She didn't remember her birthday at all. See, this is this is the same thing this woman just said before. She don't know her birthday. She just know that she was born in the year of 1900. I told you these postcards came out between 1890 and 1910. I did as much of my research as I could. And to be honest with you, I'm still working on it. As far as I'm concerned, this is a part one. But it was behoove me. Then somebody says, it's very strange. My mother, born in 1951, grew up believing that babies were found in the cabbage patch or under the gooseberry bush. She was from a large family. Then she said, and never noticed her mother being pregnant. She would wake up to be told there was another baby. <laughs> there was a new baby. Even for married women, flaunting a pregnancy was shameful as it implied you had done a certain act. Okay. She said, it would make you wonder if the churches were involved in pursuing Victorian ideas of modesty and purity. Ah, moving on. Somebody says, this reminds me of occult breeder programs and child trafficking of the occult. The babies have nurses 
and when they're transported they have handlers and symptoms uh, yeah that sounds the way that sounds that way to me as well okay this is the full comment here this reminds me of the occult breeder programs and child trafficking of the occult the babies have nurses and when they're transported they have handlers and sometimes the transport has been done via trains for instance the kinder transport during world war ii which was also disguised once again the same thing like everything all oh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions or oh, we're gonna just take these kids and we're just gonna put them. if you if, what you wanted for them was good intentions why is it that everywhere that you supposedly put these children like i said for as far as people are concerned with no beginning and no end now they'll tell you that they were probably children from um impoverished families but again the orphanages that sprang up now the funny thing about the orphanages is that the root word of the word orphanage comes from orpheus which was a greek god and on my studies i found out that orphan can sometimes that's where the the spinoff of the word orphan comes from can sometimes be translated to mean servant or slave you know, or something of that nature. It has other meanings as well. So there was a specific reason to why they did that. And oracles is also where you get um, or derives from the word Orpheus because from his relics, from supposedly the relics of Orpheus, which would be from his remains, bones, something of his deceased remains, they would put them in shrines. And the shrines where his deceased remains would be would were located or coined or termed or deemed oracles that's where people would go to in the greek to get their i guess you could say prophecies or their soothsayers so there's a book called babylon surreal babies by james birch and it talks about these specific repopulation postcards and it also talks about the origins of i guess you could say Fertility centers in ancient Babylon. And while I'm on that topic, before I forget, I might as well just bring in the subject of... Artemis or Diana, <clears throat> depending on which culture you find her in. And you see the ones that you find, if you look at the Artemis today, if you look at Diane today, they, they changed her compared to the way she was depicted in ancient times or in Ephesians. Ephesians is where in the Bible you get the people from, uh, they, they say the Ephesians. Okay, so Ephesians and Ephesians was in Greece and also they were very pagan to the bone and they did worship her. And they, Artemis are, is mentioned in the new testament book because they were trying to talk to the people of ephesians and eventually that temple was destroyed a few times in in the history of the temple of artemis we're going to talk about what the temple of artemis really was so that temple was destroyed a few times actually especially by you could say the jews now the temple held mystical rituals involving sacrifice to a multi-breasted goddess of divine fertility and this is what i mean by her original design is not the one that you see today if you google artemis or diana you're gonna see her looking like a very you know approachable dainty young lady with her hair and a ponytail and she has like a little dress you know how they do the greek stuff it's not like toga style because that's like roman and stuff but 
you know, she probably has like some kind of gladiator style sandal and she has a bow and arrow because she's supposed to be the goddess of the hunt. Right. So that's how they picked, depict her today. But if you want to talk about Artemis at Ephesus, the that I think sometimes they, they change things because they don't want you to see things. That depiction of her was very different because what you had there was a multi-breasted goddess of divine fertility. At least that's what it looked like. It looked like uh, it was breasts. And again, there's many different versions throughout history through uh, of, of it. But what it is, is there's a story of, mother, of a mother goddess and her children, okay? And Artemis would be one of those people that they depicted as that. So I have a screenshot here somewhere on Plato. I hope I can find it because I take so many. But um, something that Plato said. Let's see. Hopefully I could find it. No, I look, I look what I found here. Um, Tulip. There's a company called Tulip where they were talking about how basically it's... It says, don't worry, it's okay if you don't know how, if you don't know how or what to choose right away, you know, and this is basically talking about egg donors and, 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 and gen genetic, uh, picking of your, I guess you could say customized child, literally customized child. Like, what would you want? You know, even what would you want them to be a frozen, do you want a dog lover? You know, what do you want? Everybody can just kind of like carbon copy I mean, what color eyes do you want your baby now and you really can do that and, and you they was doing this from before we like to make sense this is something new seems like energy, every generation comes up with something like this and also before i forget i do need to stick this in that the world's first artificial womb, according to the saying it's the world's first artificial womb, was just revealed or they just announced it literally a few days ago or last year or last pagan year towards the end of the year. Yeah, sometime between, I guess you could say December 20th and the end of the year. And it's supposed to be in India or something like that. But according to them, this facility is able to make about 30,000 at a time. As a matter of fact, let me read it. It says, world's first artificial womb facility is a creepy glimpse. The facility is a creepy, see, it says itself, creepy glimpse of pregnancy in the future. And for me, it just looks like similar to the Matrix, okay? That's just, just like to me. That's why I said I, I'm not so sure that we're actually there yet, but we will definitely get there. We are in a thin type of it, but not there. So it says, Hashem al Galileo ectolife that's what he calls that's what they call it can grow around 30,000 babies yearly because of extensive and groundbreaking scientific research of over 50 years it is the brainchild of Hashem al Ghali who is a science communicator and bio bio not biotechnologist from Berlin his facilities would allow couples to conceive babies and be true biological parents, okay? It is for infertile parents who cannot have their own offspring. This is exactly what I was talking about concerning the pictures about these children, these, these families, these couples give you the feeling when they went to the cabbage patch that they were going, or the so-called stork of the day, because I guess there's a time, you know, they were going there to 
get a child because they appeared childless. But the way it seems is they're childless and they were very grateful and they were coming and they were picking. Maybe they had a child once before they picked from the cabbage patch and were happy and they came back to get one from the cabbage patch. But going back to these comments that I was telling you all about before, it's really one I wanted to do. And I think I read, I closed up on the last comment, but I wanted to finish up. I think that was it. fishing them out of the womb. That's why she gets them out of the water. And that's why I they want to say the occult breeder program say yes because you have to understand they it is said in the in in Fritz Springmeyer, Bloodlines the Illuminati, you know, not only do they adopt them out, they said that they actually all right, so the rich is actually just because you're rich don't mean you are independent of yourself. There's rich that are enslaved to other rich people. Like there's rich people who don't have as much money that are actually controlled by like the Rothschilds or or people of that nature and what they'll do is you know the rich can go down any day one bad business deal you know somebody just you know pulling out anything could happen you know really you could stay rich don't, don't get it twisted but we all know one bad investment something goes wrong an embezzlement scheme you know you could just really lose it at the blink of an eye so it's not just oh I'm rich I'm okay because when it comes to being rich there's levels to that because you have old money that'll sit there and, you know, stick their nose up at new money. Like, well, my money comes from the Civil War or from here or here. You know, like, you're, you're, would y'all you just won the, the Powerball? Or what, what, would y'all just own a, a chain of Walmarts while in the hood? You're doing something on top to them. That's, you're not doing anything. So, um, basically, what I'm pretty much, <laughs> it's, the, it's sad, but it's true, you know. And so some families become indebted to one another. And believe it or not, some of these elite families or the 13 bloodlines, long story short, will use other families to breed and use them to breed, especially to breed in, in, the, in the program. And so what it is, is it's a, it's a, it was a form of being surrogate, but at the same time, hiding the lineage and hiding the bloodline. Because again, if it's traceable, it's obvious. And if it's obvious, then it's true, Okay. And then just uh, doing what they need to do. So breeder families, breeder programs, human trafficking especially, and then using people, that is also a big deal. That's why I keep trying to say humanity is still um, sport, you know, until this day. You know, when I think about things like hostile, and I think about things like Squid Game. And I think about things like the movie The Hunt, if you know what I'm talking about. And all of this was controlled by rich people who literally human trafficked. The only one that was really odd was Squid Game. That, that must have been fun for the elite because you see how they came when it was time for the World Series or the final five or three or four to see who was going to make it. It was nothing but elite people, rich people. And they came in masks. And they wanted to see this thing and they paid good money. And some of them been there before because even one guy was like, hey, you guys made it bigger this time. You changed this. It wasn't like this last year. Oh, I love it. I love it. Blah, blah, blah. All these people are in mass. You're not supposed to know who they're supposed to be, but they paid big money just to watch big sport. Same thing with the hunt. <clears throat> Rich people. The, when, you, when it got down to what, why was you doing it? What did she say? She said, because you made that comment about me and you have people really believing that. And so I said, I'm going to bring you in to show you when, I don't know, I guess some other people that her and a group of rich friends annually, they just picked random people to just, I guess, pick up and abduct, not themselves with their own bare hands. I guess they just figured out whatever. And they tried to hunt them on an island. And, you know, cannibalism is real. I say it as well. There's cannibalism in Babylon, you know. So, 
you, I was very surprised how many people, I don't want to say it's naive, but even if you're not talking about on the elite, do you know how many people just dabble in the occult on everyday life and still need to do or produce or sacrifice or eat of the flesh of something, you know? There's Satanists out here. It doesn't have to always be on the, on the biggest top of the level, but <clears throat> again, human beings are the biggest uh, commodity. So moving on from that, though, because... I got a little topic. The world's first artificial womb. We're going to just get back to that. So it said it could make about 30,000 30, a year. Now, this is where it gets interesting. This is just like when they were doing the cabbage patch things. It's like you have kids, you can oxygen and whatever, but... These is like you can make them your own and they're biological. Notice how they said in the is biologically. Not trying to say they don't have IVF and all this other stuff, but it says you can use the elite package, which would let you engineer the embryo genetically before they implant it into an artificial womb. You can choose intelligence, height, strength, hair, eye color, etc., and even avoid genetic diseases. Hashem says ectolife is entirely powered by renewable energy. Mm. And is the first artificial womb in the world. And what this means is it has artificial amniotic fluid. They don't need a woman. They they probably, at this point, to be honest with you, as far as this is probably going to be in high demand, because, you know, they remember the road to hell is paid with good intentions. We want to help you build your family. We want to help you do this and all this other stuff. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a family. But where are these babies coming from? You know, what? You say it's genetics, and that's great, and I can have a baby. Well, what is the origin of these, you know, the chromosomes? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is it that, uh, you know, this, this sounds so rosemary babyish in a scientific form for, you know, God only knows what. And so if these things are not of God, or even when they're talking about test tube babies, because test tube babies is a real thing, where they literally, I mean... Take a woman, like they said, pump her up with fertility drugs, and then she gets fertile. And then if she gets pregnant, usually there's more than one eggs, extra eggs, multiple eggs, which they extract with the needle. And then at that point, all they really do is just put an egg in a sperm in a petri dish. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, things take form, or they might even put it back into somebody else's body. What's interesting about this is there are certain cultures of the world that actually depict this, like literally show the in the carvings of the cave i've seen in my own eyes the sperm and also carve showing when they're talking about reincarnation or something showing the sperm in the i guess you could say in the view that it would be under the microscope with an egg in the petri dish specifically the petri dish so you know what the scripture says is true there's nothing new under the sun it really is just another time and i'm just bringing it back again <clears throat> so they say they're trying to sell it saying like um they report there's 300,000 deaths that happen due to pregnancy complications so ectolife will help reduce human suffering and reduce c-sections ectolife will make c-sections and uh, c-sections and premature premature births excuse me History, you know what I mean. So this is being sold as something that's going to pretty much um to help. Again, we wrote to help pay with intentions. There's nothing wrong with wanting family, but 
what is it all that you have? Because just because something is living and breathing doesn't mean that it has a soul. It's the same way they were cloning these dogs in China. Once you can go clone a mammal, period, you can clone any mammal. It doesn't matter if it's a dog. It doesn't matter if it's a sheep. It's a mammal. <laughs> it's a, whatever it was, a fish. And they can do it several ways. They can either do it from birth, so they make it grow from the embryo. They can even carbon copy, so it comes out the same. You know, they're not going to tell you all of this, but the technology is really that advanced. And remember, they had to produce an antichrist. So there's no, the, the fact that they have this technology is not just they want to make people transhuman, but even their antichrist is going to be a demigod type thing. So I can't even imagine what the Aquarius age is going to look like. So going back to... I'm going to wrap up with this. And this is really much like a part one. Oh, Artemis at Ephesus in the temple, back to her. It was an alchemy center. Okay. It was an AI baby factory. Okay. There is a show or movie on Netflix right now called I Am Mother. And it's literally about a repopulation center full of clones for the purpose of rebuilding civilization. Which is what they feel happened. They call it a reset. They call it a reset. What happened in 1800s when... Literally, between plague, famine, exactly what they said is the reason for a lot of uh, population deep collapse, but they didn't know what to do. It's very disheartening when you see these pictures, like, all these kids just had to go to work, whereas their parents, like, it just seems like, well, y'all that understaffed, were you that? And again, more importantly, where did these kids come from? The fact that they're all coming out the same way. If you look at the modern day or the first world's fertilization center, like I said, and you look at these pods, what they call birth pods, these cabbage patches look like birth pods it just look like they look like you know just the birth pods of their day like it's just symbolism for a birth pod why so many of them in one place why are they holding babies and <clears throat> specifically the fact that they're not coming out of women so you know it's it's, it's forage is foraging it's 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 um cabbage fine but at the same time, it's like you could tell like it's seed. So it's sprouting. It's harvest time. So very creepy. So, you know, alchemy, with alchemy, in, um, even in Jewish alchemy, they said you could create a golem, which is like you could really put together material flesh. This type of dark magic is supposed to be very, very, I guess you could say an abomination for our side. But on their side, if you could do it, it's, very, it's supposed to be very strong, strong magic. <clears throat> the alchemist. If they know what they're doing. The test two babies. Yeah, I talked about that as well. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, I saw an article. There was an article that was printed in 1929. I can't remember. It didn't say where, but it was an official tissue article. January 4th of 1929. It said it was volume 10, um, number 21, or issue 21, I guess. It said that chemists will be the only daddy someday, and, and that's their prediction. And it said that test tube babies will be much like nature's own babies. In essence, that you would not be able to tell the test tube baby from the natural man's baby. Okay, now this thing of them trying to make it seem like this is new, this is, you know, just happening now, that's the thing that's you know makes people oh my god oh but again scripture says there's nothing new under the sun and the same way the messiah said the signs of his coming back will be the same as would be the same things that was going on in the days of Noah would be also coming going on at the time when he come back which was genetic mutilation and genetic mixing hybrids and things of that nature so that's pretty much where we are with that 
So I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. So back to Artemis and the way she was pre- de- pre- depicted at Ephesus with the multi-breasted view. That actually was in breast essay so much as it was over. And over would be like as if she, like it was a queen bee. You know, you have a queen bee and you have a hive. Or sometimes they say the bunny. They use a bunny a lot as a sign of fertility, like with Ishtar for Easter. But bunnies have um, a lot of babies all at once, Okay. Like litter. So the the what it was basically trying to say is like Artemis not only the temple of Artemis didn't just serve as a religious spot, but also one of their largest baking centers of the time, but also as a spot for alchemy where they did different different um different magical, I guess what you would say, Kabbalistic things, that's what they would call it of the day. Which is just what I found in my history. So the fact that Artemis is kind of connected to, or Diana is connected to some kind of mass production or the the mother, you know, saying of mass production. And in her legends, it's saying that the goddess will have children of some sort. Then, yeah, you know, I'm not saying all these children was hers. All I'm simply saying is it is just very depictive of a race that's amongst us. I find it very, very fascinating that there is a generation of people that live that have no idea. This was not the first comment. That was not the second comment. The deeper I went and further I went along, a lot of people were saying that some people were, a lot of people said that their grandparents down to their parents of their time, these people are older than me, would say that they came from the Cabbage Patch. And when they were younger, they didn't think anything of it. But as they got older, like, they would get very furious about it and be like, you came from the Cabbage Patch. You came from the Cabbage Patch. Whatever that means, whether that was a, a coined term, you know. The world fear, like I said, those kids, supposedly it was elite people that went in there or people with money and royals. And they supposedly took those kids. Where did they come from? I mean, you couldn't even do that today. And you could say, well, the times were different then, but it's just where would... I would I couldn't imagine in the history of motherhoods a time when mothers should have just rallied and been like, Where the hell are you going with my child? Without my permission, the baby is sick, the baby is premature. You're putting the baby in an incubator. He's some of these babies was twenty three ounces. Twenty three ounces. You know, and they're taking them out. And the whole thing they're trying to say is the incubator is keeping them alive, you know. Very odd, very odd stuff. So on that note, I'm gonna just leave it there as far as the intro or the beginning for this podcast episode i'm definitely gonna keep looking into it i feel like there was a little bit more that i want to say but oh orlando brown yeah i mean i would i would like to think i'm gonna do more about him later as well i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna do him in this episode i'd like to tie him in better with an episode where they're talking about celebrities so on that note i hope you all enjoy the rest of your week i hope that this podcast episode was at least thought-provoking if nothing else thank you for being able to stay through the podcast episode with me because you know i don't even know if i made any sense but um if i did i'm happy because one thing's for sure and two things for certain i did record this podcast episode earlier in the evening into the morning i usually drop these episodes like in the wee hours early morning and then something told me to play it back. I think I had took a break and I didn't remember the last thing I said and I went to pick off. So I went back and 
everything got recorded. The audio quality was so bad. So I was a little frustrated, but I was very happy too. Because if I didn't do that, I would have just uploaded it, assuming. And I would have lost everything. So and I told myself, oh, maybe I'll just, just re-record it tonight or tomorrow. But I said, no, I got to get it out, you know. So I'm glad that I did. I just took a minute to regroup. Sometimes you got to just take a minute to regroup. That's what I did and it worked for me. So on that note, thank you for listening. I love you guys. Stay safe and I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.